This is Gary and Shannon, and you're listening to KFI AM640, the Gary and Shannon Show, on demand on the iHeartRadio app. I saw Barbie last night. Sounds, uh, sounds like you have some issues with Barbie. Um, well, I, listen, I don't want to ruin it because it was an advanced screening and they have done a really good job of keeping this under wraps about what exactly the movie is about. Uh, the, the trailers have been very vague. None, nothing has really trickled out. So I don't want to be the one to ruin it. But, uh, anyway, we'll talk about it. What you watching Wednesday? I can't wait. Uh, we have... It's just some strangeness going on when it comes to this story about the soldier that bolted across the border into North Korea. Um, just his name is Travis King. The Defense Department confirmed last night that this guy was in uh, trouble. He was in some hot water, not even necessarily with the military yet. I mean, he was in jail in South Korea for a couple of months, actually. CNN kind of broke down part of the timeline uh, of what Travis King had been up to these last couple of months. He uh, essentially was facing assault charges uh, from assaults in South Korea back in September and October. And he ended up spending 50 days in a detention facility in South Korea doing hard labor. Then on July 10th, he was ultimately released from that detention facility and he was set to fly back to the U.S. on July 17th, where he was going to be uh, separated from the U.S. Army. He was going to fly back to Fort Bliss and there he was going to be uh, essentially removed from the U.S. military. But he went to the airport with U.S. military officials escorting him, but they couldn't actually take him all the way to the gate and they essentially lost him. He was supposed to board the plane and then he never did. So he, he took off running. Yeah. Uh, some of the tourists that were there said he just, it was full gas running towards the North Korean side. Full gas. I love that. This is Sarah Leslie. She was one of the witnesses that saw him take off. So anyway, we were heading back um, and everyone was just sort of milling around being watched by the soldiers on our side. And then suddenly I noticed a guy running, guy dressed in black, running for what looked like full gas towards the North Korean side. Um, and my first thought was, what an absolute idiot. I assumed he was sort of getting a mate to film it for some kind of TikTok stunt or something like that. I think that's... Um, but he just didn't stop and he kept going. And then the um, yeah, the US and South Korean soldiers sort of realized what was happening, chased after him, um, yelled at us to sort of get in the in the building on the um, the South Korean side. So we all ran in after that. But um, yeah, they didn't catch him. He was... Um, we were pretty close to the border and it would have been pretty hard to stop him. <laughs> I think that was everyone's first... Reaction, what an idiot. Now, he was initially reported to South Korean police when he punched a Korean national at a nightclub in Seoul. That was September of last year. But the victim didn't want to press charges, so he was not indicted. In February, he was fined about $4,000 in Seoul on charges that included damaging public property. He was accused of repeatedly kicking a police patrol car in Seoul last year, causing several hundred dollars in damage. He did not cooperate when apprehended by officers at the scene. He was shouting profanities about Koreans, about the Korean army. He doesn't seem well. Yeah, that this is that's the biggest issue. And I saw an interview with his mom, or at least I read what had sh what she had said and said, this doesn't sound like my son at all. Well, I'm sorry. Your son is not well. And, yeah. uh, and he has now, it's not an embarrassment necessarily to the United States. It's, you know, it's, uh, or an embarrassment to the military. It's that this guy is sick. He's 23. He He's 23. He's yeah. at the age where mental health issues rear their ugly heads. 
Um, I, I'm amazed that there's not a f mechanism by which they can put him on a plane, though. That the idea that they couldn't actually take him to the gate and get him on that plane is strange to me. Uh, I suppose if it were a, uh, a more serious crime, other than just assault and battery, then maybe they would have been able to handcuff him to a you know, to a military police officer or something like that. But. Well, if North Korea tries to make any demands, what happens then? I mean. Yeah, I that's uh, that's true. Hey, we have a very weird situation going on. This I love it. has been going on for uh, a couple of hours, it, I believe. It's a stolen truck, and it's towing a trailer. It's yeah. the oddest vehicle I've ever seen involved Three in a chase. amazing publicity for atomic concrete pumping. Um, and I guess they were saying earlier, Stu Mundell was describing this as a... Just a crime of opportunity, basically. The guy jumped into a very uh, heavy truck that's towing a concrete pumping unit. And uh, he he jumped in when they were filling it with gas or diesel, whatever it runs on, and uh, and then took off. But he's, I... he's been doing 30 miles an hour all the way all up and down the valley. He's in uh, like at Clark Street and Reseda. He's in a parking lot right now. And there are, you know, times when you see some LAPD officers around him. Just a couple minutes ago, it looked like they tried to drop a spike strip in front of him, but this he is was able to avoid it. This is a difficult-to-maneuver vehicle. I mean, out of all the vehicles to jack, why would you pick a truck with a trailer attached to it? I mean, just making simple turns is a situation in this, and you're certainly not going to go very fast. I mean, if I'm going to jack a car... I'm going to jack something with a little bit of muscle, a little bit of speed. Well, that thing's got all kinds of muscle. He did push a car out of his way, even at very slow speed. So it's a if he gets that thing up there uh, speed-wise, it could be incredibly destructive because that is a heavy-ass truck. It is. Hauling a, a, a trailer as is well. Is he drinking so. a Petros and Money beer? Doesn't it look like the it Petros and Money can? It's got that... Uh, it's got that like Jamaican Red, flag situation. Green. Yeah, he's uh he might be on something. That's just a wild guess. Well, part. I mean, if he listens to Pedro some money, he drinks their beer. So this guy they believe was killing girls, uh, prostitutes, and dumping their bodies on Long Island. Turns out he's got a place in South Carolina where they were able to take into custody an older Chevrolet Avalanche that he had that may provide some sort of evidence in the case. He also had a timeshare in Vegas they're looking into. There remains a heavy police presence outside his home on Long Island. And now a former escort who had dinner with him eight years ago is talking about what their dinner conversation was. And it is chilling. So uh, Nicole Brass, 34, said that she was uh, hooking so that she could feed her opioid addiction at the time. She says that uh, he gleefully talked about the Gilgo Beach murder cases before trying to pressure her into going to a hotel with him. She said, uh, she told the uh, New York Daily News, when he spoke about the murders, it was almost like he was visualizing it in his head and getting off on what he was saying, she said. Uh, she talked about this conversation. Again, this conversation itself was about a decade ago. She had a sit down with Good Morning America, and she said that this guy had a smile on his face, a glossed over look in his eye when talking about the Gilgo Beach killings. It left her with that really, really bad feeling, that gut check that we all have. 
She, in fact, said my gut was telling me I had to get away from him. She says she was in her 20s. She was an addict. And I wasn't really thinking about safety. But that's how much he made her uneasy. I mean, she was advertising on websites like he was finding the other girls. Backpage seeker. This is somebody who was not living life in a safe way. Putting themselves out there to strangers. And even this guy... To her was like, no, oh, that's a no-go zone. Yeah, he said she said that uh, that Rex Hewerman initially wanted to rent a, a hotel room for them in Nassau County. She wasn't comfortable meeting in private. She convinced him to take her out to dinner, and she said in the beginning he seemed totally normal. Talked about his job, just seemed normal until he brought up he brought up the Gilgo Beach murders. According to her, uh, he first asked her if she was a true crime fan. And they talked about some other famous serial killer cases. Hey, I'm just going to pull the car over right here, ladies. Um, Here's a tip. It's your girlfriends you talk about true crime with. If you go on a date with a guy and it's a first date and the first topic is, hey, let's talk about serial killers. That's a red flag. Well, you would hope you would hope that you would think to yourself, maybe not even like, hey, do you like dogs? Are you a dog cat or dog person or cat person? Not, do you like looking at grisly crime scene photos yeah. of decomposed bodies? Do you know about the Gilgo Beach killer? And I was like, of course, everybody on Long Island does. We're all following the case. Uh, and he started saying things that, first of all, led me to believe it was not just him. There were other people involved. Uh, he is taking the fall, though, I think, for all of them. And I think he will, because I think he'll probably be taken care of out of that deal. Uh, so... Uh, he, he started saying things in the they, them term and like trying to make it seem like somebody was just really interested in the case, but he was very detailed and it didn't seem like somebody who was just a true crime fan. It seemed like somebody who, as they talked about it, were reliving it in their head. Now, if she was motivated at that point to drop a dime on the guy, yeah. would any investigator listen to her? I don't know. I would think they would give it a, a mention. I mean, they would give it five minutes at least to check it check it out. But um, I don't know if it rises to the level of he did it. But she did say that he mentioned one of the girls that she had not heard about yet. As she said, it was a little hard to hear. But as she said, of course, I'm from Long Island. Everyone was following this. I was fo- Of course, I was following the case. But that he mentioned one of the girls she had not heard about yet. She said it seemed like he was talking about it from experience, not a point of view. That he did not seem to be sorry for the victims. That he seemed like somebody who wanted to brag about what they did but couldn't. I wonder if she didn't go to any authorities either because she was living life on the margins. That makes sense. But I don't think they prosecute prostitutes anymore anywhere. Well, and it's not like she... uh, What would they get her on? I mean, she's just calling. It's not like she's admitting that she's doing anything with the guy because all she did at that point was have dinner with him. But I mean, to your question, if I'm an investigator and I'm listening to her and she's like, yeah, this guy was really weird. I'm thinking, well, you're a prostitute. The guys that try to find sex on Backpage or whatever probably aren't the creme de la creme. Probably a lot of weird dudes. You think so? I don't know. I'd wager that that would be the guess. (laughs) Um, 
she said that uh, eventually when they left the dinner, uh, he tried to talk her into leaving her car in the parking lot and going with him in his car to the hotel room that he had rented for them. Oh, yeah. Here it is. She says, I'm a felon and had a history and I didn't want to get involved with cops. Ah, there it was. She was on parole for a drug conviction at the time. <sighs> wow. That's, so, that's too bad because that was eight years ago. Uh, well, most of his damage had been done. It appears for yeah. the for the women that uh, that they're they've tied him to at this point. Still watching this uh, very slow speed chase, and here's a new wrinkle in everything that's going on. Um, it's a concrete pumping truck. A shout out to Atomic Concrete Pumping uh, that is towing a trailer, the pump apparatus. And it's been going on so long that people in the valley now are pulling up alongside it and holding their phones out, videoing the whole thing. Genius. Genius people. Which is why this needs to stop. I mean, that's what's going to cause an accident. This guy yeah. is not driving very fast. He's doing 26 miles an hour on Ventura Boulevard. Driving a very, very heavy truck, towing a trailer. There are LAPD officers that are following him. They've tried to spike strip the thing, but he hasn't uh, hit him, I don't think. And now we have people, I don't know if they're looking for him, or they just know they're running alongside this guy, and they go, oh, atomic concrete pumping. That must be the guy they're chasing, and we, then they're holding their phones we out. We should call them. That number's right there. Give them a call. Don't you think? I think it's worth an interview. Find out what they do. Find out about uh, they, uh, the pump business. Concrete. That's what they They're do. watching this there in the go. office right now. <laughs> I'm sure they are because Carl, Carl left the keys in the truck while he was pumping fuel. Carl's never going to hear the end of this one. Way to go, Carl. This is like when a black and white gets stolen. Uh, China represents an increasing threat to the power grid, according to uh, a hearing before Congress yesterday. They were, uh, they, lawmakers, warned that a cyber attack from China could plunge military and other sensitive sites into darkness. And they said it's almost certainly capable, the country is, of launching cyber attacks that would disrupt critical infrastructure services within the U.S., including oil, gas pipelines, rail systems. All of this came out of a report published this year by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. The L.A. City Controller's Office is investigating. You hear about the trees trimmed at a spot where actors and writers plan to pick it? It's damn hot out there. You know how important trees are. So some people are saying it was done intentionally. We'll get a report on this coming up in the next hour. Not during our heat dome, really? Summer. Awful. You mean summer? I'm sorry. Yes, summer. Yes. Not during summer. Uh, um, cocaine's a hell of a drug, people. And uh, it's not just that it was cocaine it's, at the it, White House. It, put cocaine aside, it was... A baggie full of a substance, whereas if it was fentanyl, it could have killed a bunch of people. If it was anthrax, it could have killed a bunch of people. And everyone's sweeping this cocaine un under the rug. Uh, it came to our attention on July 4th, and then it they decided that it would move around this cocaine. Oh, we found it here. No, actually, we found it here. No, we found it here. It was three different places that they changed it to. They're trying to obfuscate. And why? Well, I mean, it goes without saying Hunter Biden was in the White House two days before this happened. He was there on the 2nd of July. Um, if it's Hunter Biden's, it's Hunter Biden's. Is that going to surprise the nation? 
No, it's not. But what does surprise the nation is when the Secret Service carries out an investigation about a strange substance found in the West Wing, which is supposed to be the most secure place on the planet, that they can't figure out whose it was, who brought it in. Well, what 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 amazes me is that they came up with a list of people, the potential suspects. They're not all suspects. You can't have 500 different people uh, who would potentially be suspects in all of this. But that was the list, and then they stopped. They they just stopped. And it's not one of those crimes uh, of the century that's going to, you know, drive questions for decades to come. But it, to me, signifies that they're not capable of drilling down and finding this out. If nothing else, just throw it on the desk of a couple of junior Secret Service agents and say, hey, this is your thing. You're going to chase this thing down. And, and you're going to interview the people. You're going to pour through the, the surveillance tapes, whatever it is. Why Why did they stop? Now, Donald Trump Jr. is somebody who I think is wildly unhinged and often looks like he's high on cocaine. Um, with the sweating and the erratic interviews and behavior and videos that he posts. And I just think he's off his ass. But he has a point when he said he wouldn't have gotten away with that. He wouldn't have. If, right. if cocaine was found in the Trump White House, you would have it all over every news show still until you got answers. Right. There are two different medias in this country when it comes to covering politics, and it is glaring specifically with this story. I and it's one of those positions where if you say or, or if you ask the question, so whose cocaine was it? then people make assumptions about your political leanings when it's more of a simple question of, no, really, just whose cocaine was it? Well, just how was it able to get into this secure area? Right. And which area specifically was it in? Because you've changed your story three times. And every parent knows that when you change your story, you're probably lying about something. Um, it's strange that the National Security Advisor has suggested things like maybe it's a construction worker who was there doing renovation for the... Okay, Great. maybe it is. Fine, tell Track me. Track it down. Yeah, tell me who. Again, it's not about the drugs. It's the fact that you could bring anything in there like that undetected. And then we're not even going to get to the bottom of it and everyone's okay with it. It's just weird. It's okay. It's okay to ask questions, and it doesn't mean one thing okay. or the right. other. It just means that you want to know the answers. Hey, the celebration of a lifetime is waiting for you. KFI wants to send you to celebrate 100 years of Disney at the Disneyland Resort. You'll have a chance to win uh, on this show, along with Tim Conway Jr. and the Mo Kelly Show. So keep listening for your chance to win a four-pack of one-day, one-park tickets to the Disneyland Resort. Uh, it's time for Terror in the Skies. <laughs> It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. Well, Monday was a very hot day in Las Vegas. We're not going to talk about, well, okay, it was 111, but that's not what made it bad, and that's not what we're talking about. A flight that was supposed to go from Vegas to Atlanta was stuck on the tarmac at Harry Reid International Airport. This Delta flight um, got worse when 
Flight attendants were seen running up and down the aisles with oxygen tanks because passengers were passing out. At least five people had to be taken off of the airplane due to the heat on board the aircraft. In fact, they showed firefighters that were getting onto the airplane. Um, the uh, A Fox News field producer, Krista Garvin, said that when they took five people off because of overheating, they decided that maybe it was a good idea to take everyone off the plane because of the volume of sick people. She was on Twitter and said, what an insane experience. First, we were delayed because you did not have a flight attendant. Then we finally board and sit for three hours in a hot plane in 111 degree weather. Now we're heading back to the gate because people are passing out. We're now being told you can get off, but there is not another flight out to Atlanta for days. How could there possibly you're Vegas and Atlanta? That's not a those are hubs. Yeah. yeah. How could you not have a flight for days? Uh, actually nuts. She says paramedics are on now. I've seen a total of three people wheeled out so far, oxygen tanks being pulled out. And the flight attendants had told the passengers, press your call button if you need medical assistance. She says babies are screaming and crying and they're handing out sandwiches to diabetics. <laughs> she writes, I am just <laughs> shook. What do you do in that situation? What do you, what do you do? You're on a plane the conditions are intolerable. You've been there for three hours and you are on a Delta flight. What do you do? I don't know. I would immediately gotta, call uh, Delta you, Airlines. You got to offload that thing. You jump on Twitter. That works sometimes. Sometimes. But but you'd have to call. You'd have to make. You'd have to embarrass them right. into action, unfortunately. Right. Because clearly, the, you know, and we've done these stories before where these planes get stuck for these ridiculous hours and hours and hours because something went wrong. And then it turns out that the. Uh, the window that they had to take off closed and they couldn't leave. And then the, they got a shift change with the pilots and the crew and all that sort of stuff. So <laughs> 111 outside and uh, getting warmer on the inside. So. Well, this chase continues. This is a truck, a work truck towing a, a trailer. They've got it stopped now at Victory and Winnetka. And there's a couple of black and whites behind it. Oh, he's now he's on the move again. At least one of the officers has a passenger side door open. Uh, didn't know if they could get this guy to give up the ghost right now. He's miss. Is he still missing? He's missing that front right tire, right? Yeah, it, I, they did apparently get it with a spike strip. Is what uh, what Channel Nine was reporting. So at least one of the tires is damaged. We'll see. It was looked like it was almost running on the rim on that right front, and then the right rear might be a dually, but it looked like uh, the outside wheel was. Uh, at, at least the outside wheel was flat. And again, it's a gigantic work truck that is towing a uh, a concrete pump. So <laughs> this is a massive, it is a big, big vehicle that if he decided to go after people or, you know, plow through. But he can't go traffic, fast anymore can. without that tire. Yeah, I don't and know. It's hard to maneuver that thing. So he's over there at Winnetka and Victory, kind of near uh, uh, Pierce College out in that area. Uh, so, oh, it looks like, yeah, both the right front and right rear gone. The God, tires are gone. That is going to be a lot of damage on those roads too. I, I feel bad for the people at Atomic Concrete Pumping yeah. for all your uh, concrete pumping needs. Eight one eight five three five eight five eight seven.
They're going to need a little love after... Uh, they're going to need some new tires. They're going to need some new tires. Maybe a local tire score, uh, store could help them out, and then it could be like a nice publicity for you. And Carl's going to probably lose his job. No, he's not. It's not so? Carl's fault. He was just pumping gas. Well, you left the keys in it, obviously. It wasn't your fault when you got robbed pumping gas by that charlatan no, who claimed he was a doctor. I literally gave him the money. That's, uh... <laughs> All right, coming up next, uh, Third Street Promenade Safe No More, an attack on a, con- a councilman. When we return to Gary and Shannon. You've been listening to The Gary and Shannon Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Monday through Friday and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app.